0: Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to Museum Life with Carol Bossert. Museums are important whether we work in them, for them, or simply love visiting them. Throughout history, people have collected things and put them on display to enjoy, but today's museums offer much more than rooms filled with stuff. They provide places to learn and share experiences with family and friends, as well as sanctuaries to unplug, rest, and refresh. On today's show, we'll discuss how museums can remain relevant and sustainable, reach out to new audiences, and remain attuned to cultural and technological trends. Now, here's your host, Carol Bossert.
2: Hi, this is Carol Bossert, and welcome to this episode of Museum Life. You know, we for the last couple of weeks, we have been... Uh, interviewing uh, professionals from the American Alliance of Museums as sort of a, a run-up to the conference. Well, the conference uh, has come and gone. Uh, many of us, uh, over 5,000 of us, were in Seattle over the past few days uh, enjoying each other's company, seeing the wonderful museums in Seattle, and generally learning a great deal and sort of coming back a little jet-lagged, at, but reinvigorated. However, what I bet all of you who have been listening for the last couple of weeks have probably said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, that's what the alliance says." What's it really like being part of uh, AAM? So, what I what we're doing on this show is I'm interviewing five brand new friends that I have I met at the conference. Uh, all of the people that you're going to meet today are were. Are uh, well, not anymore, but they were AAM first-timers, and they got to wear a special little badge that said they were first-time attendees. Uh, but more importantly, I think that people who come to this conference for the first time really can see it in with new eyes, both its strengths and maybe still some of its challenges, trying to meet 5,000 people in, in a few days in a big conference center that spanned... Uh, about two city blocks. So, so without further ado, I'm going to introduce to you three of our guests, and we're going to talk, a, talk for a few minutes, and then we'll bring on a couple of our other guests. So right now, I'd like to introduce to you Allison Crosscup, Blair Moskowitz, and Adrian Russell. Welcome to the show, ladies. I'm so thrilled that you're here. Hi,
3: Carol. It's great to be here. Hi, thank you.
2: Right, I, right. you know this this kind of uh, radio program can can very oftentimes turn into a bad conference call so what i'm going to do is be a little bit more of a of a circus master than i usually am on my shows uh and so i hope my listeners will in, indulge me but i think that this is a really great opportunity to meet uh, uh new people so i'm a Allison, I'm going to start with you. And if you would be kind enough to share with our listeners your your affiliation, where you're from, and uh one of one of the your favorite things about being a museum professional.
4: Uh sure, Carol, that'd be great. Um well, I am with the Peabody Essex Museum in Salem, Massachusetts. I've been there since 2006, and I am currently the Assistant Director of Institutional Giving. Um, and I love working in the museum field. Um, I think my favorite part of being a museum professional is just being a part of something that really has an impact on people. Um, I really enjoy seeing the programs and exhibitions myself, but then also, um, you know, seeing our visitors and our guests um, take them in as well. And as a fundraiser, um, I feel that the work that I do to try and help raise support for these activities is kind of my contribution um, to that impact, and, and I find that uh, very rewarding. So. Um,
2: well... And uh, this was, uh, uh, remarkably, this was your first AAM. It was. It was my first AAM, and it was a great experience. Why did you decide to go this time? Um,
4: I think for me, initially, it was um, the selection of sessions. I had um, taken a look at the program. I'm actually um, involved with the New England Museum Association as well, uh, New England Museums Association, and um I chair one of their professional affinity groups, and I was looking for inspiration and ideas for topics for a workshop that um, is coming up. And so I thought, oh, well, let me just look at the AAM program and, and see if I can get some ideas or thoughts um, on that. And as I was going through, I thought, my goodness, these are, these are really great topics, and these um, look like really interesting sessions. And so that's kind of where it started, um, with the idea to go. And um, I'm really glad that I did. It was, as I say, it was a great experience.
2: Great, great. Well, we'll come we'll come back around in in a second to uh, hear a little bit more about what you found uh, you know mo- most interesting. But I'd like to introduce now another uh, new friend that I met at the conference, Blair Moskowitz, uh, who works for Antenna International. Blair, could you share a little bit more about where you live and what you love about museums?
3: Hi, so my name is Blair and uh, yeah, as you said, I work for Antenna International and we are the creators of audio and multimedia tours for cultural institutions around the world. Um, my specific position there is as the marketing manager for North and South America. Um, and then as far as, you know, what my favorite thing about being a museum professional, I really like the Opportunity with museum technology to create these very meaningful experiences and connecting people to objects from the past with these technologies that really come from the future uh, so it's really how can we relate the what people are seeing now what people are looking for doing with future technology and future engagement with these items that had really never you know, maybe they've never interacted with a computer before. So it can be this really invigorating process that we figure out how all this technology and items can work, and it really helps the visitors connect personally with what sometimes can be very abstract topics in a museum.
2: Interesting, very interesting. And our, our third guest, who's on this segment, Adrian Russell. Uh, thank you, Adrian, for getting uh, for uh, for being on the show today. I understand that, that you really had a, a time getting <laughs> getting home last night. So thank you very much uh, uh, for being on the show. Adrian, could you just share a little bit about your uh, where you are now, what what uh, job you have, and what you love about being in the museum field?
4: Thank you so much for having me. Um, as I mentioned, my name is Adrian Russell, and I am the Public Programs Coordinator at the Mariana Kistler Beach Museum of Art, which is at Kansas State University in Manhattan, Kansas, which is also known as the Little Apple. Um, I've been here a little bit, uh, on close to two years, and um, I really love the fact that what I do at the museum, I'm able to wear so many different hats. I, um, program public lectures and talks. I get to work on exhibitions. Um, I do social media for the museum. I get to write for the blog. Um, so I'm always learning something new. I'm always finding um, ways to tell the story of our collection of Kansas museum art uh, in different ways. Um, and really, as a as a huge just art nerd, I just love the fact that I'm able to be around these objects every day and someone is actually
2: uh, paying me for it. It's almost <laughs> unbelievable that I get you- to do this. So I'm very pleased. Yes, you. you it, it doesn't get any better than this when you get to do something you love and you actually get paid for it. That's absolutely true. <laughs> I think that's that's what we're what we're all looking for. Adrian, why did you decide to go to AAM this year?
4: Uh, I actually went this year because this is the first uh, year I would be able to attend, just kind of in uh, a leadership capacity as a manager of uh, the department. Um, I actually did attend on a fellowship. Um, before, um, but I didn't currently have a museum position. So, uh, this was just a way of, of experiencing it from a different angle. Um, and I was also able to accompany three of my coworkers who were true first timers, and I, I kind of wanted to share that experience with them as well.
2: Oh, that's very, very interesting. So you really can uh, 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 relate both as a first timer and as a mentor to other first timers. That's that's uh, what 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 was the what was your biggest difference between you know uh, coming last year when you were you know, uh, sort of unaffiliated and coming coming this year with a, an affiliation. Was there a big difference?
4: Uh, There was a difference, I think, sometimes in the way that um, I interacted with other attendees. Um, uh, I got the impression when you weren't affiliated that that it was kind of hard to break through um, and start conversations because you just didn't have a common starting point, you know. And the first first question you get asked a lot is, well, what museum are you with? (laughs) You know, and so if you don't have that, it's kind of hard. It gets a little awkward at the beginning, but... um, it was a very different experience and so I was glad to, to be able to have some something to practically apply to what I was doing as opposed to kind of putting it in my memory bank and saying, Okay, when I do get a position I'm going to remember this <laughs> so that was very nice to be able to just apply it immediately.
2: That's that is a very good point. I think it's it's very tough uh, to uh, to break in. And uh, in our next segment, we'll talk to someone who is who uh, who is in your position right now, and we'll see how how she did. Uh, but Allison, uh, I'd like to to get back to you. You said that you 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 came to AAM for some of the for some of the workshops and ideas. What uh, what was one of the ideas that you uh, you discovered? Um, Well, I
4: think, two that right now, as I'm still obviously kind of processing everything, um, but two sessions that really um, struck me and I think I took the most away from were um, one with the mock panel um, with IMLS. Uh, I was really interested in doing that because we have worked with IMLS, um, you know, and have been um, awarded grants by IMLS before and I and I think the whole idea of seeing it from the other side, you know, I'm in a lot in the work that I do, I do a lot of the proposal writing and so to see it
2: from the other side I was really Well well, um, Blair, what was yeah. the one what what did you learn uh that that you didn't know before? when you, uh, coming to AAM, or what was your, what was your favorite session? Did you have a chance to go to any sessions since you were often, uh, you know, having to be on the exhibit hall floor?
3: Yeah. Antenna was very lucky this year and very busy. We had nine people in attendance. We had three panels that we presented. We won one award and we had one trade show booth and I was coordinating most of that. So I was able to go to the panel, two of the three panels that we presented on and the other one, I had actually, I had um, seen presented previously. So what what was interesting in terms of our panels was kind of the, the diversity of the people who come and the questions that get asked at the end was something that you really learn how diverse the museum community is and how Everyone comes at this from a different perspective. One of our panels was on access programming and how smartphones can be used for people who are blind and deaf in a museum. And we had people who started asking about funding. How do we get funding for this? And you know, that's a, something that I don't work with very often—is fund, is museum funding and institutional giving. So it was really interesting. And a learning experience to see how many people are interested in every aspect of museums and how every aspect of a position in a museum relates to another aspect.
2: That's a very good point. Uh, I'm I'm glad you brought that up, Blair. Um, Adrian, what uh, what what program or activity really stood out for you?
4: There were a lot of sessions this time around on um, LGBTQ programming, and so that seemed to be um, something that I had not seen in previous offerings where there were focused uh, topics on dealing with, those populations and how to not just tell the, that cultures those cultures stories in a featured exhibition, but ways to kind of bring that story into your permanent collection, and that uh, struck a chord with me because we have an LD LV- PTQ group on our campus at Kansas State University, and we frequently partnered um, at the Beach Museum uh, with that group. And so I was very inspired by that, and it kind of got me thinking, well, you know, we really need to do more than just being a host for this group. We need to start doing more um, focused and directed outreach and try to bring, you know, those students and allies into our museum space and make it a comforting uh, and welcome space for them.
2: Well, that's great. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Allison, Blair, and Adrian. Uh, we will uh, bring you back on the show in this third segment of, to expand your thoughts a little bit. But right now we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking with Joan and Chris. So thank you. you you're listening to uh, The Museum Life. We'll be back in a moment.
5: of the world 50 years ago Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network.
1: Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even co-worker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things. And together, you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite, live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at Verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life.
2: Welcome back. This is Carol Bossert, and you're listening to Museum Life. And today we are talking to people that I met at AAM that uh, was I just got back last night, and as did these lovely people, and they are all first timers to AAM uh, annual convention. So I w- want to introduce you to one of my new friends, Joan Ilaka. Uh, Joan, <laughs> congratulations. You have just uh, when we when we we spoke. You told me that you had just received uh, your uh, turned in your final paper for your graduate work at UMass Boston uh, in public history, and now you have your your graduate degree. Uh, congratulations! Thank you. So, Joan, can you uh, just could you tell our listeners a little bit more? I know I, I, I spilled your big news, but could you tell us a little bit more about about yourself? I know you're actually you've been doing some work in museums right now, and what where you're hoping to go?
6: Well, um, I went to AM to figure out that question. That's a huge question. Um, right now, I am the strong medicine project coordinator at the Center for the History of Medicine at the Francis A. Catway Library of Medicine in Boston. Um, and I finished up my coursework for my uh, graduate degree in public history at UMass Boston this week, and I get to walk next week. Um, so really, I'm at a point in figuring out um, where to go, where I can go work uh, on a project full time.
2: Well, I'm I uh, I'm sure you picked up, or I hope you picked up some some leads while you were at AAM. Uh, Yeah, there was a lot of uh, chatting,
6: putting some feelers out there. Um, I am involved with the New England Museum Association. um, So I have New England covered and now it was time to turn an eye to national uh, (laughs) museum jobs. So Amy was very
2: helpful. Great, great. I know one of the, the uh, points that that Adrian uh, Russell mentioned in the last uh, uh, last segment was that uh, being uh, being sort of unaffiliated was can be a little rough. But of course, you uh, you are working at um, at the Center of Medicine, so you uh, so at least you could identify some affiliation, even though you're looking for bigger and better things. Yeah,
6: it was um in introductions everyone asks, So what's your institution? I got to say, Wow, I'm a student but I uh I've worked at several different places and I'm really a museum jack of all trades after uh doing a public history degree. Um so once you get that icebreaker out of the way, we could really connect about museum issues and questions
2: and um ideas. So it wasn't too bad being unaffiliated. Well that's a that's a pretty good that's a pretty good tip. Uh you know keep keeping it light and uh and and just just moving forward to the deeper issues. Chris, I want to bring you in. Um Chris is also someone that I that I met uh in a small meetup group. Uh didn't uh we had only a small chance to talk, but I was very impressed. Uh Chris, could you uh introduce yourself and just talk a little bit about your affiliation and what you love about museums?
7: Oh, well thanks Carol. thanks for inviting us on the show um, so i am uh, I work at the royal b c Museum in victoria so part of part of my motivation to coming to the conference was just proximity it was it 's a fit a fairly short ferry ride from Victoria to Seattle, so that was a real benefit and advantage to our institution so we have we had ten ten of our staff come over all from very different um, departments within the institution, so that was a real advantage and On the way back today, we were saying how how we really want to harness that the diversity of our involvement and how to bring that back to the larger institution here um, and in terms of why I love museums, I could speak for hours on why I love museums, but i um, I think the, the fact that museums are a real site for curiosity and also a forum for dialogue. So I really, the, the, really, I, I think of museums as a place to um, exchange in lots of different ways and, and I feel really fortunate to be in a role. So I, I actually run the kids and families uh, and school program here at the Royal BC Museum.
2: Oh, that's great! Well, you know that you bring a very interesting perspective uh, to to this idea of being a newbie um, you you came with an entire group from your institution and so you already had at least a few ready-made friends and friendly faces that that i'm sure you might have seen throughout the conference uh yeah was that helpful or harmful or or you know did did you feel that it it prevented you in any way from getting out and meeting uh, other people
7: no and I, I think I think we were we tried to be strategic about it and actually i was I was there with someone else in our learning my colleague in the learning department so we were we um, we looked through all the sessions and tried to to find sessions that really uh, complemented each other well um, and then all throughout the other eight uh, staff members, we were all sort of thinking about how um, the sessions we would go to would benefit ourselves, but also other people as well. So we, we were um, it was definitely a benefit, and there was no harm <laughs> to it. Um, I do, I actually, off of Jones' uh, comments and earlier too. I, I by the end, I, I didn't want to ask. Where are you from, or what museum are you from? So, I, I, if when I go back, I, I want to think of different questions to ask people. That sort of opening questions, because I think um, there's lots of different uh, uh, entry points and avenues to, to start talking with people. And the, obviously, we're all somewhat or deeply involved in uh, museum work, but there's there's lots of different ways to start that discussion of what we do in museums. Oh.
2: That's that's very interesting as well. Uh Joan uh I want to want to get back to you. Uh what what session or activity really stood out for you? What what's uh, uh some uh, a memorable activity?
6: Ooh, um well, actually on that point. So when I came to AAM, I had no plan. Um which was good and bad. I was really flying by the seat of my pants, and I talked to someone who worked for AAM, and they said, you're just getting into this. Pick sessions that you think are things that you want to do, not necessarily things things that you're already part of the conversation on. Um, And to that end, I ended up at an educational programming session on pop culture and museums that I found really interesting. Um, And it talked about bringing... Um, new perspectives and interpretations on your permanent collections by looking through the lens of um, current TV shows and current movies. And so someone talked about a Game of Thrones tour and a, um, uh, oh, what's that show from the 1920s? I'm sorry. Um, a Downton Abbey tour and using that as a way to reinvigorate your, um, your visitors into your collection. um, which I thought was a great tip. Which hopefully, as I uh, figure out where I'm going to go, I can bring that sort of new perspective into uh, something that's already well established.
2: That's that's great. I'm sorry I missed that. I, uh, I sorry I missed that session. That would have been very interesting. Chris, what really, what session or activity really stood out to you, for you?
7: Mm, I wish I was at that session. Also, <laughs> um, I. There were a few, but one that really stood out for me was the cultural conversations, which was around teen programming. And it, it had four, four institutions from Seattle that, that had, the, the, so each of their coordinators were part of the panel, but then they, they each brought one teen from their teen program as well. So they, they, the coordinators presented on, on the work that they are doing and the sort of larger uh, Context, and then the teens really spoke to how it really plays out, and how they um, what their, what they thought about it before it started, and how it sort of transformed their thinking about museums and also their engagement with art and um, ideas and it was just fantastic the The coordinators were just extraordinarily eloquent and articulate and like just smart, <laughs> and the teams were equally so. So it just it I for me personally, I'm I'm wanting to expand my practice here at the museum and in, 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 in incorporating teen programming. So it, it really, I, I was so thankful for that session in terms of sort of creating a, a really firm foundation for the work that I hope to do this this year.
2: That's very that's very interesting, and I think that that uh, it, because they were local in Seattle, you had an opportunity to talk to the teens directly. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure that that did make a a, a large impact.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was like because sometimes in a in a conference setting like that, it, we it, it's so refreshing to hear people that are not necessarily from museums um, or that or. You know, I, I think that those those teen voices at that point. It was probably halfway through the conference. It was such a it was such a re- not not that it wasn't a, re- a relief to hear museum voices before that, but it it really uh, um, was exactly what I needed to hear at that moment. So it, I was really thankful for. It. For it. Isn't
2: it? Yeah, that's very uncanny that that can happen sometimes. Mm-hmm, uncanny, and I understand uncanny. exactly what you're saying about refreshing, refreshing
7: voices.
2: Mm-hmm.
7: And smart. I mean, like, wow, these teenagers were just so, um, so like, just brilliant. I don't remember being um, half that when I was 17. So.
2: Well, you probably were, but you were just probably so concerned about other things you don't remember it. We sometimes just don't 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 own our own, our own uh, uh, brilliance um, oh, as, okay. as much as we
7: should. <laughs> uh,
2: but, uh, Joan, I'm 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 wondering too. Uh, you know, in that pop culture uh, activity, did you have an opportunity to uh, uh, then talk with other people after the session?
6: Well. Um... I I think I ran off to another session right after that session, but actually I spent most of the conference tweeting, um, and I found that to be, at least as someone who's an emerging professional, an interesting way of getting my voice out there into the conversation. Um, I used it as a a way of asking questions about sessions, about making comments about sessions, about connecting with other people across the Twitter sphere, which may be a word that I just made up. Um, So that was... One way of getting my name out there, there were a couple of other sessions where um, there were definitely conversations going on afterward about projects that, um, in particular, there was a, a session on LGBTQ programming, um, and back home in Boston, I volunteer for an LGBTQ archives, and I really connected with a couple of those panelists about things that we could be doing in Boston that they're already doing in Chicago and Seattle, and, um, and I thought that was really... Uh, wonderful, helpful, and um, I really love the museum community because you can show up at a conference and say, I have this idea. You've already done it. Can we chat? And people are so willing and ready to um, give you advice and to give you feedback. And so that was really lovely.
2: I wa- I will want to get back to uh to this topic about uh and uh, of, uh, of of tweeting and using social media uh, as as uh, several of you i I found you uh because of uh Twitter uh I'm not as facile in it as uh, many of you but I but I think it brings a very interesting dimension a new dimension uh to the conference and so when we come back from break I want to talk with uh, Joan and Chris a little bit more about their thoughts but uh, right now we are going to take a very short break and when we come back I, we'll be talking with some of our, our other first timers and getting their insights uh, so please uh, continue to listen this is Carol Bossert with Museum Life we'll be back in a moment <laughs>
1: A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want to help make
0: our world a better place but not sure where to start? Tune into Better Worldians Radio with the creators of the social game on Facebook called A Better World. Join hosts Ray, Mary Sue, and Gregory Hansel, who will inspire you to make a big difference in small ways. They'll speak to experts, authors, volunteers, and everyday people who are changing the world daily. Better Worldians Radio is heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety.
1: You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at Verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life.
2: Welcome back. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. And as you know, we're talking with uh, AAM first-timers, AAM newbies, so to speak. And uh, now we're going to be... uh right before break, Joan mentioned, uh, that she found, uh, her voice one way in tweeting, tweeting questions and comments and, uh, really taking the, uh, conversations and, and thought she was having at the conference sort of a whole, to a whole new level. So, uh, Blair, I'd like to talk to you a little bit. Uh, I know you also were, were, uh, tweeting, uh, during the conference, uh, I'm assuming that this is something that that you do is just part of your your business and your personal life how How did you find it um, uh helping you expand your connections at a a m
3: Twitter is the most fabulous thing that has ever happened for networking. I think for museum professionals uh possibly who were emerging or maybe um, at times maybe haven't been to conferences, might be a little nervous to speak to some of the really higher-up people in the industry. And actually, my first time tweeting for a, at a conference was at a different museum conference where I was a graduate student. I didn't have the, at that point, uh, I was unsure of going over and talking to people, but people would tweet out questions, and I would respond. And I would have these really fabulous, brief conversations on Twitter. And it's really... A wonderful opportunity and then actually as AAM was tweeting who's going to go uh, you would have said who's going to be there for the first time and I thought well this is you're someone I want to connect with so, which led me to this opportunity here so it really breaks down so many barriers and connects you to so many people and a hashtag just connects everyone you can read through everyone's thoughts uh you know it's the first tweet that I sent out on my personal Twitter feed about AAM was actually, I wrote something like leaving New York for Seattle on my flight. And someone else wrote back, leaving Seattle on my flight from New York. And we were on different flights, but we were tweeting as we were sitting on the plane to each other. And it's little things like that that we connected, and then connecting when you're there and just seeing the breadth of sessions that people are going to, And hearing so many unique perspectives, even if you're not in a specific panel, you can be following a Twitter conversation that people are having in a totally different panel. So it's almost as though you attended multiple panels at once. Uh, It's a really interesting opportunity. And then as far as advertising, because I also was responsible for tweeting from my company feed, it's an interesting way to join conversations that at times companies in Museum Expo, you know, we're committed to being in Museum Expo and we have to be at our booth. But we can realize what everyone else is doing and participate in the conversations that are happening in, you know, in this case literally across the street in rooms that, you know, maybe we don't have a chance to walk over to. So Twitter really has been a phenomenal opportunity, um, I think, really, for probably most everyone who's on this call right now. Um, yeah, it just, it's really great.
2: Uh, really good comments, uh, Blair. And uh, yes, we are in a in a new day and age. And and uh, Joan was talking about the Twitter sphere, and and uh, I think that's a pretty good uh, good expression for it. Uh, Adrian, what uh, what helped you feel comfortable? Uh, uh, at, at this conference more so than, than perhaps before. You know, I know you talked a, uh, about having a, you know, having a home and having a more permanent uh, position in the museum field, but was there any uh, uh, aspect of, the, of AAM and its orientation or uh, 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 technology that, that helped? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that
4: they did this year that I'm not sure if they've done before was have a first-timers webinar prior to the conference, so um, that was free for anyone to, to log into and just just kind of get the lay of the land before they ended up in the conference proper. So I just think, um, if they, I hope they do it again, because it was a very nice kind of introduction to the physical space you're going to be in and what you might expect and just all kinds of tips and tricks um, to help you kind of get through the first-timer experience. Um, so, technologically, that was great to be able to sit in you know, Manhattan, Kansas, and connect with people all over the world who were going to the conference, um, either first-timers or not, but particularly for uh, the first-timers, it was nice to be able to connect with someone before you even got there. Um, and then I have to just, you know, throw my support in for Twitter. It's just, I agree, the world's the best thing. I, just <laughs> I have a personal Twitter account, and I tweet for the Beach Museum. And, the first thing you learn is that you can't be everywhere at once. And I wish I could clone myself because there are so many different sessions that I wish I could have been in. Um, and being able to follow the conversations in those sessions while I was in mine um, was just so helpful. Um, and then it also introduced you to people who were speaking about these topics. So you know if you had a question, you say, okay, there's somebody I know that I can tweet at, and they will answer me. And museum professionals are just so nice. I mean, everyone is generous and kind and giving Um But those kind of technological things tend to bring you closer together, almost as fast as an in person conversation. Um, Especially on Twitter, when you only have so many characters to get your point across.
2: (laughs) <laughs> yes I know it's it's that's the part that that has stymied me a little bit but i'm I'm getting a little more used to it with all of your your help and support um, so a- Adrian let me give I would like to follow up with you a little bit you said that you went to or you uh, participated in the first timers uh, webinar I think that is a, a really interesting situation uh, was there anything though that surprised you when you got to the conference that was a little different than than what you expected?
4: Um, I think just the physical uh, configuration of the conference, Um, even though they did explain that it was kind of spread out, you know, across a couple of different buildings, I, I experienced a lot of confusion. I think just because the two buildings were similarly named, there was a conference center and a convention center. (laughs) And so there was a lot of struggle with, you know, which building is it and where do I need to go? Um, So it was a lot of time that I wasted just kind of getting my bearings geographically and just trying to figure out. But, again, Twitter was a big help because I literally said, I'm confused. Where do I need to go? And got so many answers um, from AAM themselves and from all the other attendees. You know, go across the street, take a left at this corner, you know, just vary. Very helpful, but yeah, I, I I was just confused that it was a bit more spread out than I imagined it would be, and, and being geographically challenged just didn't help.
2: Yes, well, I hope one of the things that they did tell you in, on the webinar is to wear very, very comfortable shoes. Thank leave you. those, leave those pumps at home. Allison, I want to bring you back into the conversation and and ask you the the same same question uh what what did a a m do this year that made you feel comfortable and and at home
4: um I think for me you know in addition to what um the other guests have said, I also really appreciated all the volunteers that were there um and I think that made me feel comfortable and was also the thing that surprised me was just how many people were there with volunteer t-shirts at every turn. Um, they're ready to answer uh, questions that you had or direct you to the conference center if you were in the convention center. I mean, I was just really impressed with um, the number of people volunteering and just, you know, how welcoming they were and um, just really responsive to questions. I think that made such a difference um, for my experience and just navigating it as well
2: uh yes uh, uh very good comments those those green shirts were welcome yeah. many 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 times uh during the conference and i don 't think you you you, you don 't have to be a first timer to just appreciate all those all those volunteer hours uh of uh, people from the Seattle museums oh, Allison, was there anything that surprised you uh you know, just that completely uh, that you weren 't expecting uh, uh when you went to the conference this year?
4: Um, I mean, I think as a first-timer. I was kind of blown away just by the size of it and the scope. Um, You know, just the number of people attending from all over uh, was amazing. And then, too, just really the range of um, programming that was offered, you know, from all of the different sessions that were offered and the ex- exhibition hall, the events in the evenings, when there were just a lot of different opportunities um, to get engaged and to meet people, and, um, which I just thought was wonderful. Just a lot of different entry points um, and, and topics to dive into. So you know, I just think the size and the scope of um, the conference I wasn't expecting and was really impressed with.
2: Great, great. Okay, this is my lightning round of questions, guests. We all get a, thirty seconds, maybe forty. Uh, give, uh, and I'll, I'll go around. I, what one piece of advice would you give to someone who is contemplating uh, going to the conference for the first time next year, Blair? What would you What would you say?
3: I hmm, I would say talk to everybody talk to everybody because we're all so passionate about what we do that you might be passionate about one thing, but someone else is pa- just as passionate as you are about something else. I started talking, I was in line at Kinko's to print some last minute things. And I started talking to this woman who was super passionate about museum stores. And it was just amazing. It was something I don't think much about, but just the breadth uh, and diversity of what people are passionate about is what you really want to harness when you're there. So if someone's considering going, make sure that you just talk to everyone.
2: That's great. Adrian. do you have a, have a quick tip? Um, I have a couple. Um...
4: One of the things I think people, uh, feel trapped, they feel trapped in a list session. If they get in there and they, they think it's not what they want or it's not meeting their expectations, they feel like they have to stay there the entire time. I would just say if it's not what you expected, that it's okay to leave. Um, because one of the most valuable things I think at this meeting is your time. So there's no shame in that. If it's not giving what you need, you know, make a graceful and quiet exit and, and go to something different. And the second thing I would say is that you should try to select workshops that appeal to your career plans. So um, if you aspire to be a museum leader, uh, if you want to do, I mean, become a curator or whatever it is, go to those sessions. You don't have to go to a workshop that's based on your current status. So I would just say you know, be aspirational in and your, your uh, session
2: choices. That's really good advice. And, and Allison, do you have uh, have a have a quick tip?
4: I think um, one of the things that helped me this year was just to kind of. Plan ahead and and, um, the sessions that I was really um, wanting to go to because I think once I got there and I got the big book um, and I was looking through everything, it was just there was so much to do and so much um, that I wanted to do, but I kind of had a little roadmap um, ahead of time of things that I knew I wanted to, to get to, and that kind of helped um, navigate the big book, and also um, the three days, and also um, just have fun. I mean, it was such a great opportunity too to get out and see the different museums in the area, and uh, to have that opportunity to go um, and visit these places uh, was just was great. So, um,
2: just have Good. fun. Too. Very, very good advice, uh, all three of you. Thank you so much. Uh, we are going to take our final break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more with with Chris and Joan. So uh, please stay tuned. This is Carol Bossert with Museum Life. We'll be back in a moment.
3: or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkgaard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific.
5: Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? (laughs)
1: You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at Verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life.
2: And welcome back. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life, and as you know, we've been talking with my new friends that I met at AAM and uh, hearing their advice and their thoughts and their experiences, uh, seeing the uh, AAM conference for the very first time. Uh, Joan, I want to uh, talk a little bit uh, to you and give you an opportunity to uh, uh, talk a little bit about what made you feel most comfortable at AAM. Oh, um, let's see. Well, it's a huge conference,
6: um, which is both a great thing and a really daunting thing. Um, but we have those excellent name tags with the huge names on them. Um, and I felt like you could go up to just about anyone and say, hey, I'm Joan. Um, I don't know where I'm going. Or, I'm Joan. What event is supposed to be happening right now? Um and that was really great. You know, everyone is sort of in the same boat um, at being at a conference like this and wanting to learn and wanting to talk. And um, on the whole, everyone's really approachable. Um, so I thought that was nice. I thought that was excellent. Um, and was something to keep in mind, that even though you're in a group of, I think, over 5,000 people, uh, you're not alone. <laughs>
2: Well, that's that's uh, that says a lot for uh, AAM and the way they've they've planned activities. Uh, was there anything that particularly surprised you that you weren't uh, you weren't ready for, or just was uh, not what you expected when you got to the conference?
6: Well, um, actually, so this is not my first big conference. Um, as an emerging professional, I've gone to actually I was at the Society of American Archivists last year. Um and I've gone to a couple regional um museum association conferences in New England. I was a little bit surprised that there wasn't an emerging professional section and I know that's not the um focus of AAM and I definitely didn't feel uh neglected necessarily, but at other conferences, there's been sort of an area where uh, new people can talk to uh, people who are already well-established in the field and sort of connect that way. Um, I think that the hack your hellos that popped up on LinkedIn about a week before the conference was uh, a great way to get that sort of personal conversation. Um, I know I skipped out on a section and ended up talking to some people about social media. Um, And I thought that... Connection was great. Was uh, a really one-on-one um, sort of relationship that maybe we could think about, you know, doing something like that next year.
2: That's that's a good tip, Chris. I I met you at one of the uh, uh, Hack the Hello sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did you decide to uh, participate in that one?
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks to Nina Simon for for uh, getting that. Getting that going, it was it was really a It was a fantastic forum just to, um, to to feel like the the conversation started before even getting into Seattle. So the and because there were so many threads of thought, people would throw out questions and then. Um, others would respond to those questions. It just felt like there was there was already a diversity of thought leading into the conference and and at least for this this is not not my first museum conference but my first like big like five thousand um people museum conference it was It was nice to have that sort of intimate uh, access point um and sort of running start just being sort of actively engaged on some of those threads and just being uh, an active witness on some of the other threads. Uh,
2: yes, it, it, uh, I noticed that you were very, very active on uh, on Twitter and, and were making some very interesting contributions. Yeah, I sort of feel what? like
7: I should say that Twitter is bad because it's like a Contrary point, but actually, Twitter's fantastic, <laughs> and uh, I really, uh, I really appreciated it during the uh, the whole conference. That was actually w- one of the challenges of the conference: is that the the, w- the Wi-Fi was um, spotty in some of the areas, so to do actual um, live tweeting um, was was difficult at times. So, and um, that that posed a challenge, but it also, it allowed me just to stay present in the, in the session and not think about how I was going to tweet about it. So there's, there's advantages and disadvantages to to everything in that, in this kind of context.
2: Yes. Yes. Um, you know, that, that, that is a good point. Um, you know, we're, we, we're, uh, we're forced into situations where we multitask, but we're not Really, humans aren't very good multitaskers. Uh, Chris, what, what uh, you know, you talked uh, about that wonderful teen conversation and, and uh, program, and you're going to try to uh, apply that to your current museum uh, experience. What's another uh, memorable activity or thought or aha moment that you're going to take away from this year's conference?
7: Mm-hmm. Related to a specific session?
2: Or, or just uh, in in general, you know, as you were mm. you were going back on the uh, ferry, you uh, what what's uh, you know what were those things that you were writing down, saying, oh, I must remember to do yeah. this,
7: and not actually even writing it down because we were having a conversation. Half of our group was going back on the ferry together, and we and we realized through talking, just in that informal way, that there was some. Overall themes that played out um, in each of the sessions that we were all a part of, and one of those was this tendency in museum communities to, in museum institutions, to to have a kind of silo mentality. So, if I'm in the learning department, then I just focus on that, and exhibits are curatorial, and so I I think we were all in agreement that 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 further discussion about collaboration and doing that creatively is something that will well, it's, it's something that is a, a real tangible takeaway. I mean, it's some, something that we engage with a lot here already, but it, to see that that's something that's a struggle with multiple institutions from all over the world, um, it just it just made it seem even more important that we as an institution here and, and connecting out into the community that we really put um, collaboration and, and listening and um, as a, as, a, as a sort of core value to the work that we 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 do here
2: that's a very good point thanks thanks for making it uh, it is important in our our uh, community of practice as someone had said earlier it's it's uh, Uh, talk to everyone and realize that everyone in the museum has a a very important point to make. Uh, Joan, um, as you think about, uh, you know, moving forward with your career, was there anything that you picked up at AAM that sort of shifted your thinking in any way?
6: Well, um, I was actually thinking about this last night, uh, sort of decompressing from two and a half, uh, both very long and very short, quick days um, at a.m., and so I went to sessions with the strategy that I would look into things that seemed interesting but weren't necessarily what I'm doing right now, Um, so I ended up in a lot of public programming and education sections, and that's not something that I have a ton of experience with, Um, and so now I'm thinking about, you know, moving on and looking for jobs and other opportunities in that realm to explore, Um, because I think that might be... Where i uh will fit myself in the future, and so I am was a good way of figuring that out um because as a student, it's kind of like the world is your your oyster, you can do
2: just about anything um that's, have- those, that's, that's wonderful, uh, and it's wonderful to hear. It's sort of an, an opening up. Um, if, uh, Chris, if you had one thing that you, you were going to uh, 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 give advice to someone who's coming next year, what would it be?
7: Well, I had a little project for myself when I was there, is to ask a, a single question to lots of different people. So I was asking about the use of the word docent. Within the uh, public programming context, and, and uh, because at, at our institution, we're considering getting rid of that term, so I asked a lot of different people from not just um, not, not just uh, public programs, but throughout museum uh, uh, sections. Uh, that's, that's one a, question.: that's, so that's, they, a, have, that's
2: a great idea. Yeah, so that's a question. great idea. Lots I'm sorry responses. I'm going to have to cut I'm going to have to cut you off um I uh and I apologize for doing that oh, um that's okay. <laughs> uh, But because I want to get everyone's name in one more time, Allison Crosscup, Blair Moskowitz, Joan Ilaka, Adrian Russell, and Chris O'Connor. Thank you so much for participating today, and for our listeners, remember these names because these are truly the museum leaders uh, that are going to take uh, museums uh, further and greater into the twenty-first century. Thank you all for participating today. Thank you. Thank thank you very much. It is a much. And we will be back next week. Uh, This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. Thank you so much for listening.
1: Thank you for tuning in this week to Museum Life. Please join your host, Carol Bossert, again next Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What museum issue is on your mind? Tell Carol at carol.bossert at verizon.net.